What a big deal to be called the child of God. What a big deal to be set free. God is so good. We are set free from the chains of sin. We were in slavery. We live in a free country. Today is her birthday. You know, um, it is so important for us to keep things in their proper perspective. Before I pastored full-time, I was a, a plumber, and I worked construction. And in working construction, uh, what I would do is, is go to a job site, get a set of plants, so I'm commissioned to do something. And I go to that place, and I have a task of building a structure that's going to be there permanent. Well, while I'm there, I, I have to live there. I, I'm there the whole time that project is being built. So when I, when I get there, I have to uh, set up base. I, I got to set up shop. I, I have to make it conducive for me to be able to carry out the task I was commissioned to. So sometimes that would be an, an office trailer, right? A trailer kind of like outside of the building, and, and we would make it nice uh, for what it is, a, a, a temporary structure. Uh, other times there would be a place in an existing building that we would use and we would build something within that structure, and, and that would be home. And each trade would have one of those. So it's not like a carpenter is walking in the plumber's trailer. This, this is our house. It's, you know, someone comes through the door. It's like coming into anyone else's house. Can I help you? <laughs> right? Um, because uh, that was our place. But, but one of the things that we did not do was to take the resources and the time that we were to spend building the permanent structure for our temporary setup. In, in other words, I had the task of making it home temporarily for the guys, for us to take care of business. But if I would have started using the material and the time uh, and the energy and drew up blueprints to bring to our temporary structure and set it up, uh, when my boss would come through once every other month or whatever, if it would have been too elaborate, there would have been a problem. <laughs> How much time did this take, and, and where did this material come from that this is set up so nice? At the same time, if he would come and the place was a wreck, uh, and you have thousands of pieces of equipment and material, and it wasn't categorized and organized, that, that would have been another problem, right? So, so, so today... The sermon is, 
Uh, your home is in heaven. So, so if your home is in heaven, we need to recognize where we now stand is temporary. So, so being that it is temporary, there is what is adequate to spend your resources, your time of, for what is temporary, but actually you've been commissioned and, and what you're doing here and how you treat this place should reflect the fact that it's temporary. Turn with me, if you will, in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to be reading the first 16 verses. I'm reading out of the Christian Standard Bible, the CSB. And if you don't mind, stand for the reading of God's Word. Hebrews 11, starting at verse 1. And it reads, Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for. The proof of what is not seen. For by this our ancestors were approved. By faith we understood that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. By faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith he was approved as a righteous man, because God approved his gifts. And even though he is dead, he still speaks through his faith. By faith, Enoch was taken away, and so he did not experience death. He was not to be found because God took him away. For before he was taken away, he was approved as one who pleased God. Now, without faith, it is impossible to please God, since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, after he was warned about what was not yet seen and motivated by godly fear, built an ark to deliver his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and set out for a place he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out, and even though he did not know where he was going, by faith he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, co-heirs of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself, when she was unable to have children, received power to conceive offspring, even though she was past the age, since she considered that the one who had promised was faithful. Therefore, 
for one man, in fact, from one as good as dead, came offspring as numerous as the stars of the sky and as innumerable as the grains of sand along the seashore. Then all died, these all died in faith. Although they had not received the things that were promised, but they saw them from a distance, greeted them, and confessed that they were foreigners and temporary residents on the earth. Now those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they were thinking about where they came from, they would have had opportunity to return. But they now desire a better place, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, and he has prepared a city for them. We thank you, Lord, that your word said that the just shall live by faith. We thank you, Lord, for even the singing the song earlier that we are saved by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, which is our witness of who you are and what you've done in our lives. We thank you, Lord, that this place is temporal, Lord. Because it's not designed the way you called it to be, Lord. But there's coming a day. There is a place that we will all be when we leave here, Lord. Those that believe and those that don't. There's a place of permanence, Lord. We, as your children, look forward to that place. And we ask that you would help us as we recognize that truth, to properly, Lord, view where we are here and understand where we're going and how, because we know where we're going, how that should reflect our todays. We lay all of these things before you, and we ask that you have your way, that you speak to each one of our hearts. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So the author starts here with a, a definition. The definition the author starts with is, what is faith? And it says that now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. In today's society, we must ask the question, is your reality real? Because we hear things like my reality and your reality. Is, is there just reality? Reality is the state of things as they actually exist opposed to the idea of how you want them to be, how you imagine them to be, or how you think they are. R reality, when we really get down to it, if you describe it another way, is it's, it's truth. It, it's what really is. And people want to believe that they can have their own reality outside of truth. 
And, and they will sincerely believe what they want to believe. But sincerity does not equal reality because we can be sincerely wrong. Now, now, when we talk about faith, we're, we're talking about trust. We're talking about something that we have a confidence, something that we believe with strong conviction. And, and the question is, how is faith built? Well, most of the time, faith is, is, is taught. It's, it's learned through experience, right? So, so I sit on a chair and, and I start to have a trust, a faith that that chair is going to hold my weight, right? That's a tangible thing. And then you get a little bit more into the intangible things, right? I go to work and I receive a check. Well, well that's a little bit more obscure. Right, because me receiving a check for my labor at the end of the week, what, what does that mean? That means I have a trust that I could take this check and deposit it in the bank and receive cash for that check. And, and I even have to trust and have a certain faith that that piece of paper that has a number on it can translate into some kind of goods. All of those things are levels of faith, right? So when we're talking about faith, a lot of times faith is something that's taught. It's something that's built. But, but faith is also a revelation of something that is not discoverable by our senses or our reason. Right, right. There are aspects of faith that we believe because our confidence has been built around the object of that faith. So, so there are degrees of faith depending on what we are speaking about because we don't trust in the same things for the same reason. But when we start speaking about the object of our faith, what we have trust in, it is very important. Because as we start to think about, well, if I sit on this chair and I have faith that it holds me and it doesn't and I fall on the floor, then, you know, maybe I'll get hurt, maybe I won't. Okay, you know, we move on. If I've worked for two weeks and I was promised um, pay and I receive a check and that check bounces, or when I receive that cash, if that cash does not provide the service that I thought that I could exchange it for some kind of goods, well, that's another higher level of something that I trusted in that didn't bring me all the way through. What about when we're talking about faith and we're speaking about what we are going to have our faith believe about life and the things in life that we should do? What are we putting our trust in? And, and even to take it further, what are we putting our trust in when we're speaking about things of eternity? 
So, so when it starts to come to those kind of things, the object of our faith is obviously just as important as having faith in something. So, so what you have your faith in matters. So verse 1 and 2 said, now, now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not seen. For by this, our ancestors were approved. So our ancestors were approved because of their faith in something that, that didn't come about yet, that they didn't see, but they trusted in, that they believed was going to come to pass. Just like we put our faith in Jesus looking back at his finished work on the cross, and we have to have faith for us to have relationship with God. It says in Ephesians 2, Verse 8, for you are saved by grace through faith. And this is, is not from yourself, it is a gift of God. So, so for us to have relationship with God, we must have faith. It says in verse 3, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was made from things that were, that are not visible. God created something out of nothing by the power of his word. Now, now this is a sidebar, and, and it doesn't really have anything to do with this sermon, but we, we got to be careful when we think we can do that. Because so many people think they could just actualize their reality, right? And, and there's a certain part of that, right, that life and death is in the power of the tongue. You can create or kill decisions or things that happen, but when we think that we could create something out of nothing, we'd better be careful. But, but, but God, he can and he has done that. Everything you see, God created something invisible, his word that has power. And, and, and that means so much to us because we have his word that has power. Yeah, power to save. That's what we're sitting here for today. It says in verse 6, now without faith it is impossible to please God, since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. You cannot please God if you don't believe he exists. And you must know him and come close. You, you, you must come close. You must be attentive. You must obey. You have to have faith. You have to trust him. You have to believe what he says. And, and often we say we believe what he says. But us saying it 
is not the same thing as actually believing what he says. Verse 7, it says, By faith, Noah, after he was warned about what was not yet seen, after he was warned about what was not yet seen, and motivated by godly fear, built an ark to deliver his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. God said, this is going to happen to the earth. Build this ark. The ark was 450 feet long. That's probably the size of our driveway or even longer. And 75 feet wide, 45 feet high, and he had no power tools. (laughs) If we had all the technology right now to build it, and it was like uh, you... And and, and let's say you forced your kids to help. (laughs) How long would it take you? And he was an old man when he started building it. So imagine when he started building it. It says, by faith, Noah acted on what God said. God said, Noah, this is going to happen. Noah acted on that. He warned him, a flood is coming. Most say it took Noah 120 years to build the ark. If God said something to you and told you to do something, if it took 120 days, you might say, God, I thought you said this was going to happen in my wasting my time, 120 years to build this. Now, you know when he's building this, people are like coming by. What are you building? Well, I'm I'm building an ark. What? Like, what's that and what's that for? Imagine that conversation. But Moses stuck to the task he was called to. Actually, it says in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 7, Noah, a preacher of righteousness. So, so what, that, what that tells us is as he's building that ark and people are coming to him, what in the world are you doing? He was giving them the warning that he received. These people that were coming asking Noah this, who who were they? It, It says that when the Lord saw that human wickedness was widespread on the earth and that every inclination of the human mind was nothing but evil all the time. That's who they were. They they were the world. 
They were the people that did not go know God. They were blind, and they were doing whatever it was they wanted to do. And, and, and there was human wickedness in, in every inclination. All their thoughts were evil, right? We, we know as born-again, sanctified, Holy Ghost-filled believers the thoughts that run through our minds. But the one that is void of the Holy Spirit, the one that is blind, the one that I'm just going to do whatever I want to do, no shackles, th those are the people that were coming asking Noah, what are you doing? The, the, the same people, when they see you go to church on Sunday, when they see you about God's business, were asking you, what are you doing? So, some in a curious way, most in a degrading kind of way. What are you doing? Noah stayed on task. Noah continued to warn. Noah continued to work. He was not sidetracked. We, we are called to stay on task. We're called to stay on task. And what is our task? It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, now I want to make it clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preach to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold to the message I preach to you, unless you believe in vain, for I pass on to you as most important. And some versions say as first importance, what I also received, right? What we're doing is, is preaching God's word that we have also received. I pass on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. Th that is your task. Jesus was very clear with the Great Commission on what we were supposed to do. Go and preach the gospel. Th that is our job. Th Jesus said that, Jesus left. Giving us a helper to be able to carry that out. We have to remember that this place is temporal. We have to remember that blind people bump into stuff. And they do what blind people do. Like you remember when, when you were that person? That, that's what blind people do. One of the things when I used to get so frustrated in society, because I've always liked people. I, I just didn't like like society, like, like the group. I always, is it me? In my heart, if I dealt with an individual in an individual situation, even if they were like way off, I had a compassion for that. But just like groups of people and doing like stupid stuff and, and, and stuff that you should really just like, yo, whatever, you know, it's not a big deal. Leaving their cart in the middle of the supermarket where I got to find my way to get around instead of you keeping over there, like that kind of stuff, right? So, I, those kind of things would bother me, right? But um, when it came to me understanding like individual situations and circumstances, like I've always had a heart for that when I got 
to speaking to people. But the thing is, right, we are called to be light. We, we are called to be glory reflectors, reflecting the glory of the Father, the Son. And, and we are called to a specific task, and we cannot get sidetracked. So even when we're talking about the U.S., I love this country. I've been to a whole lot of countries. I love America. There are people that have given their life through death and through service for this country. This is a great country. And I always pray that God would bless America, that God would turn the hearts of Americans, but that's done on an individual basis. But in the same way that I love this country, one of the things that we cannot do is ignore other parts of this country. Some of the ways that it was founded, the, the sin of abortion, the sin of slavery and our past injustices and inequalities, those things are real. And we cannot treat it like it's not. I can love this country and critique it at the same time. See, see people feel like, well, no, you, you, if you love this country, don't even say that. If you don't like it, get out. What? First off, you ain't in a position to put me out. This is no more yours than mine. But let me tell you something. I could love my child. I could be willing to die for my child. I could make all kinds of sacrifices for my child and at the same time put demands on my child. You better address your destructive behavior. Go get your homework done. Do your chores. Calling for change and bad behavior actually shows that I care. The worst thing a parent can do is ignore the issues that their child is facing and refuse to address them. Treat something like that, that's not going on. If you do that in your personal life, if you do that in your marriage, if you do that in your family life, if you do that in the country, they're only going to get worse. As things come up, they're supposed to be spoken about and they're supposed to be addressed. One of the things that I've learned in raising my children, because we have older children and then we have Gloria, and I said this a couple of weeks ago, one of the mistakes is addressing the symptoms. Talking back, not doing your chores, defiance in a child, those are symptoms. The, the problem is sin. The problem is the heart. The solution is Jesus. For, for that individual, for that family, for this nation, it's drawing closer to God. It's falling in love with him. It's hating sins. It's opening eyes. It's deepening our faith. So uh, abortion, uh, injustice, racism, violence, all of these things in our country, they're symptoms. 
They're symptoms of the issue of sin. Faith in people, faith in policies, faith in systems, they don't change hearts. What does the country need? What, what, What does your neighbor need? What do you need? The same thing. The solution is Jesus. Drawing closer to God, falling in love with him, hating sin, opening eyes, deepening our faith. So what are we called to do? Just like Noah, we are called to keep working and keep warning. See, because people's hearts are going to change one at a time. Through who? Through the church through the Christian, as our hearts are being changed, as we are deepening our faith, as we are looking through the lens of the biblical worldview. You keep addressing symptoms instead of going to the heart of the matter, the deeper issue. See, when when we impose things on our older children, when they got older, They let us know, that was not my heart. I conformed. It's no different with any individual. So in dealing with our daughter, what do we do? She does something, we pray. We think through. We look at the scriptures. What is the heart of the matter? What is behind her doing what she's done? You're a good girl, Gloria. I'm not, I'm just, you're... Gloria's head getting lower and lower. Like, what, what, what is this guy talking about? No, no, no. No, no, Gloria. <laughs> yeah, that was a conversation when we got home. You think I have to, like, preface what I say to my wife? It's my daughter, too. Dad, what? You try to put me on blast? No. <laughs> that's, not, that's not what I'm doing. Matthew 24, starting at verse 37, says this, As the days of Noah was, so the coming of the Son of Man will be. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, living their lives, doing what they do. It was like that then, and it's like that now, and it says that was the case until the day Noah boarded the ark. And, and if you remember in that story, Noah didn't close the door. God shut that door. Said, One day the Son of Man is coming back because this was prefaced by the disciples asking Jesus, you know, how many are going to be saved? When is this going to happen? But it says that they didn't know until the flood came swept them all away. This is the way the coming of the Son of Man will be. Each and every one of us has to stay on task. Keep warning, keep building. Keep speaking to individuals about the same thing that changed your heart because that's the only thing that's going to change anything for anybody. It says in in, in verse 8, By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and set up 
and set out for a place that he was going to receive an inheritance. He went out, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, co-heirs of the same problem. He had promised. He did not know where he was going. He came from a, a city, Ur, the land of the Chaldees. That was a city, and he was doing just fine because when he left, he left with stuff. And, and he left with stuff, and his, uh, his own nephew was like, oh, I'll go with you to, to live in tents. Tents are, are temporary. I don't know if you've ever been camping, and camping is a lot of fun until you're like in a tent on the ground and it's pouring down raining. I remember one day we did that and, and we set up like for the food to um, uh, cook under and the water was building on top of it and it just like came down like right on, on the food. I was so mad. I'm like, this is not happening to me again. We got a camper after that. <laughs> he lived in a temporary tent. Why? Like, why would someone do that? Why would he even leave? Because he trusted God. It, it says in verse 10, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, who architect and builder is God. He gave up the temporary for the permanent. He, he looked forward. He looked past the temporary. Setting up temporary residence here is a lack of trusting God. If you believe what God says, then you will not make this like this is the end all be all. And I'm going to so make myself comfortable here. If you're doing that, you're not trusting God the way God would have you to trust him. But thank God he continues to build our faith so we can get to that point. We have to have faith in what he says because we've already read, without faith it is impossible to please God. And if you don't trust God, if you don't believe God, this place is still temporary. No, it's not only for the believer, and sometimes we get sidetracked to all these other kind of things and allow that to pull our attention and our energy and our time. No, it's for the one that says, there's no God. Message temporary for you as well. And there's a permanent place for you as well. It says in Luke chapter 13, starting at verse 24, make every effort to enter through the narrow door because I tell you, many will try to enter and won't be able. 
Once the homeowner gets up and shuts the door, then you will stand outside and knock on the door saying, Lord, open up for us. He will answer you, I don't know you or where you're from. Then you will say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I don't know you or where you're from. Get away from me, all you evildoers. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth in that place. When you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but yourself thrown out. This is temporary for the Christian, for the one that doesn't believe. Remember, this is temporary, and there is a place of permanence. Worship team, you can come up. The text goes on to say in verse 13, these all died in faith, although they had not received the things that were promised, but they saw them from a distance, greeted them and confessed that they were foreigners and temporary residents on the earth. Is, is, is that how you live your life? Now, those who say such things make it clear that they were seeking a homeland. It's not our home. If they were thinking about where they came from, they would have had opportunity to return. They could have turned around and went back. You could turn around and go back. To what? Where? But they now desire a, a better place, a, a, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to call, to be called their God. For as, for he has prepared a city for them. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. So where I am, you may be also. If it were not so, I would tell you. died in faith. They had not received the things promised. They saw it from a distance. They understood this was temporal. Your house is, is temporal. Your neighborhood is, is temporal. This country is temporal. Abel sacrificed. Enoch pleased God. Noah built. Abraham left home and lived in tents. Sarah believed. Have you set yourself up for permanence here? What you say to that question really doesn't matter. What you are doing answers that question. The Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. They, they could have returned, but they desired a better place, a heavenly one, where the foundation it's permanent. Whose architect and builder is God. Imagine you had the best architect on the world, in the world, to build your house. And you could just help him imagine for you what that would look like. It, it, the, the architect is the one who designs stuff, right? The builder is the one who puts it together. That doesn't always mesh. But, but here, the architect and builder is, 
is God. But you could have the most beautiful place in the world. You, you know what's going to be more important than that? Who you're living with. <laughs> you, you could have the most beautiful place in the world and have like some messed up roommates. Call them wife, call them kids, call them whoever you want. And say, I don't care how nice this place is. I don't want to be here. Not, not only is God building it, who, who are you going to be with? You're going to be with him. You're going to be with the saints that's going on before you. You're going to be there with us, like it or not. What, what, what are you going to be doing? Things that you can't even imagine. For how long? Forever. It's going to be permanent. So, so if that's the case, how should we live out our days? M making sure that we keep this temporary. That we recognize that we are to stay on our task that we've been called to. To warn, to work. God has given each one of us work to do. A song in our heart. Ministry of reconciliation because we've been reconciled. That that's what we're called to do. E even as much as we love this country, love where you live, love your home, Temporary. From your heart to your kids' hearts, to your spouse's heart, to your neighbor's heart, to the hearts of the people in this country. Only going to change by the word of God, by preaching the gospel, by God doing what he does and using his church. We're going to um, we're gonna take communion. So we're going to sing a song, and I just want you to reflect on where you've been with your understanding of this being temporal. How have you spent your resources, your energy, your time, and what God would require of each and every one of us? What a great thing to be able to be at the Lord's table. Let's take a moment and reflect on that, amen? I was a wretch. I remember who I was. I was lost. I was blind. I was running out of time. Sin separated. The breach was far too wide. But from the far side of the chasm, you held me in your sight.
Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, it has washed me white. Thank you, Jesus, you have saved my life. Brought me from the darkness into glorious light. You took my place. You took my place, laid inside my tomb of sin. You were buried for three days, but then you walked right out again. And now death has no sting, and life has no end. For I have been transformed by the blood of the Lamb. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, it has washed me white. Thank you, Jesus, you have saved my life. Brought me from the darkness into glorious light. Thank you, Lord, for what you have done. Thank you for the opportunity to remember you as we take these elements. What you've done to call us your holy ones, the ones that are righteous, Lord. The ones that are clean because of the blood you shed. The life you have given. Rescuing us, Lord, from the domain of darkness. Transferring us, Lord, to the kingdom your son you love we are redeemed by the blood of the lamb the word of god calls us to examine ourselves before we engage in communion it says so then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and the blood of the lord let a person examine himself in this way let him eat the bread and drink from the cup. For whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That's why we spend a time of reflection, getting right before our Lord, being transparent with him before we come to his table. What an opportunity to come to reflect on what he's done, to remember as he called us to. The word of God says, For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. In the same way also he took the cup after supper and said, This cup 
is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's drink together. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that we are able to come to your table. We thank you that you promised that there, there's a table in heaven that we will be sitting at with you, oh God. It, it, it's going to be different from what we just did, which is important in remembering you, but we are going to be with you sitting at a huge table with you at the head. Thank you, oh God. We thank you for your word these day, this day and the saints that's gone before us showing us what it looks like to view this life temporary. That we aren't just saying that, but we would live this out the way they did. Staying on task, the work that you called us to do individually and corporately. Warning and preaching your word, the word of life. that powerful word that made everything that we see from the invisible, but your word and its power not only created everything we see, but it changed our hearts. We pray for that one this day whose heart has been changed, recognizing this is temporal, but there is a permanent residence that we're all going to go to. And if you want to be with Jesus, you have to believe by faith in the grace that he provided through his blood on the cross. Help us to go out proclaiming your word, staying on task, treating this place as its temporal, looking forward like Abraham did to our heavenly city that you are building with foundations, that you are the architect and the builder. Thank you, God, and that we will dwell with God forever and with the other saints that have gone on before us, Lord. Thank you for that reality, Lord. Let us walk in that, in the victory that you've provided, loving the life that you've given us, praying for the country that we live in, loving where you've placed us, Lord, but being about our business, staying on task. Father, we pray for this country, Lord. You have sovereignly placed us here. Not without its problems, Lord, but we are your church that you've placed here to go out and to love on this country by loving individuals, Lord, that you've put in our path, that hearts would be changed one by one for your glory, Lord. Build your church, use your people, Lord. We thank you for what you've done and what you're doing. We thank you, Lord, that as we continue to read, sure of this, that he who started a good work in you 
will carry it on to completion to the day of Christ Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you, family. Meet us in the lodge for us to spend some time together. Also, we have bread there, and don't forget the barbecue. There is a lot of Spanish people here. I'm looking to see empanadas, <laughs> rice and peas, and then there's like Africans here and Caribbean people here. Let's have a great time together next Saturday. That's rain or shine. See you then, 11 o'clock. God bless you. Thank you. 